Hello and welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. Welcome back. If you have previously um, listened to the podcast and if you have just found us, I am so glad that you were able to join us today. This podcast is a place where I strive to help women and men that are experiencing struggles of infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. I have guests come on and they are just, they share their stories of their struggles of infertility. They're just so vulnerable when they share from their hearts. It's just so touching to me and I know it will be for you as well. They also share about the losses that they may have experienced on their journey, um, where they have found support. We also talk about things that trigger them and how they navigate those. Um, Words people spoke um, or things that they have seen, events maybe that um, they're expected to go to, just all those triggers and how they navigate those. It is a tough um, part of the, the infertility and loss journey. And I want to help you with that, how to navigate all of those triggers as best we can. We also talk about the grief that is experienced through infertility of possibly never having a child. And of course, the grief that goes along with the loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. Grief is so heavy for the men and women that are experiencing it um, through these situations. And so we want to help with that. My guests and I are just very committed to help you so that you never feel alone on your journey again. And that the blame, um, that you're lightening that um, through the struggles and the heartaches. So my guest today, I am so excited to have a gentleman back on the episode. Adam shares his struggle, him and his wife's struggle of infertility. And then once they did Um, conceive, became pregnant. Um, Through the journey of that, they were given at an ultrasound the diagnosis of their daughter possibly having cancer. And then when she was born, um, definitely having that and having to endure um, the treatment of cancer as an infant. So I know Adam's sharing his story will help you, and I can't wait for you to hear about his journey. Hello, Adam. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are able to join me today. How Hi, are you Teresa. Do- yeah, yeah, thanks. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for having me. I. I'm looking forward to the conversation and uh, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. No complaints today. Good. Pretty hot out here in St. Louis. (laughs) Oh, it is. It's muggy. It's very, it's very muggy. Very muggy. Yes, it is. That it is. But we're kind of used to that in this area. Right. So yeah. So I want to, as always um, on my podcast is to ask my guest, you, if you can tell us who is Adam, yeah, how would you yeah. describe yourself? Um, you know, I would describe myself, I think, probably first, you know, be father, husband, 
son. Um, I'm, I'm very, very strong faith. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Um, I'm a community banker. So I love, love my community and love giving back to the community through what I do. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, family is, family is probably the most important thing to me, you know, outside of my faith. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that is really what I focus on. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, being a good dad, being a good husband, being a good son. And um, yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of who Adam is. Awesome. And grandson, you talk because we, we know each other yeah. as friends and you talk a lot about your grandfather. So it's very obvious that family is very important to you. Yeah. I actually uh, just got back to the office from having lunch with, or I went over and uh, actually I eat my lunch with my grandpa's a few days a week to, to check up on him and hang out. And he had actually just got up and, and uh, he didn't sleep very good the night before. So oh. I, I, uh, he usually makes his eggs and toast and I made all that for him so he could just kind of kick back and relax and, uh, mm-hmm. it was good. So yeah, my grandfather has mm-hmm. been a very, very influential person in my life. Awesome. Awesome. That says a lot about who you are and, and yeah. how your family is. So that's great. So we are going to talk about the, your family. Um, yeah. obviously it's very, it was very, very important to you, but I know because we've talked before that, um, starting your family was not easy. And so I kind of want you to share. And I love again, that you're on, um, sharing this because I don't always have a lot of the dads that will do this. So I am very grateful that you are, but if you can kind of share your story, um, when you wanted to be a dad did you always want to be a dad was it after you got married and then kind of the struggles that you guys you and your wife um, experienced yeah absolutely um well listeners get your popcorn it's it's quite the story (laughs) um but uh always definitely I, I definitely knew that I wanted to be to be a dad um you know family is super important to me I'm an only child Mm. Um, and, uh, so, you know, my parents were, my parents are unbelievable parents and were always very supportive of me. I had a great support system with my family, my cousins and, 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 uh, good friends. And so, you know, I, I, you know, when I was younger, I never really felt like, man, I wish I had a brother or sister. Um, but as I, as I got older, you know, I kind of knew, Hey, you know, I think I want to have more than one. And so, you know, my wife and I, uh, you know, always kind of talked about, too. And so that was kind of our, our, our thought process. And, um, you know, so my, my wife and I are, are high school sweethearts. We, we started dating the summer before my senior year of high school, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. We just passed the milestone of we've been together longer than we've been apart, which is, which is kind of crazy to think about. Mm, yeah. Um, so we've really kind of grown up together. Um, you know, I went to school, my wife went to school, we, we, we both actually lived at home. And part of that was our parents lived in the same subdivision. And so it kind of made sense. We were close to each other. Um, and, you know, I would say that um, both my wife and I, we lived, you know, I don't want to say charmed childhoods, but, you know, both great parents, um, you know, both of our, you know, our parents are both still married, you know, no, okay. no divorce. Um, you know, and everything, and this will all make sense why I bring this up later, but, you know, really life, it went really well. Um, you know, there really wasn't much 
hardship or issues or, or anything like that. And so we were always, you know, very, very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, we, we got married in, in, uh, in 2011. And uh, right away, you know, we, we didn't want to have children. Uh, we wanted to, to wait a few years and, and do some traveling, do some trips, um, you know, kind of just, just focus on, on her and I and being full-time, you know, being a full-time workforce and spending time with each other and, and, and whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I guess it would have been about two and a half years into being married or around that um, it, it kind of just in, in kind of funny conversation at our, you know, which with, with each other at home, we're just like, I said, you know, I think I'm kind of ready. She's like, I'm ready too. And so, <laughs> you know, it, it yeah. just kind of happened like that. Like it wasn't this like big earth shattering conversation. It was just, it was the first time we kind of felt like something was missing, you know, like we felt like something was missing, you know, we were kind of starting to get past that point where you want to go you know, over to your friend's house every weekend. And, you know, we were just starting to mature and we were, we felt like we we're ready for a family. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so we, we kind of started on that road and, you know, we, we kind of approached it like most folks approach it uh, at first, which is kind of, you know, um, you know, my wife was on birth control. She went off birth control, um, <laughs> pulled the goalie, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, <laughs> you know, we just kind of lived our life and, and we weren't preventing, but we weren't really super trying for the first three or four months. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing was really happening. Um, my wife's ovulation cycles weren't, weren't, weren't very steady, um, or predictable rather. So that created a little bit of challenge. So, you know, over time it just wasn't happening. And, and as the months went by, and I think this is true for most people, you start to lock in on it more and more. Uh, You start to, you know, well, hey, this isn't happening with just, you know, not not utilizing any form of contraception. This isn't happening. We need to pay more attention. Mm -hmm. And so we started to be, you know, and it was one of those situations where you're you're planning your days around it, the ovulation cycle and and blah, 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 blah. And and so we tried and, and tried and tried and, um, you know, I think that I was, you know, I was at a point where I think we were both at a point where we started to become frustrated, but I don't think either one of us felt like it wasn't going to happen. You know, we okay. were just frustrated. We were just frustrated by it. And, okay. um, you now know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to stop you there because you yeah. talked about her ovulation and all of that. Are you one of the husbands that kept track of that or was that all her? No, that was because all Because it's different. It's different yeah. with different families no. or different couples. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was not. I definitely wasn't keeping track of that okay. at all. Uh, <laughs> no, but she, she was. But the, but, sure. but the issue but the issue was is, is she was ovulating at different times. And so... That's never um, been consistency with it. Yeah, there really wasn't okay. a lot of consistency. So, you know, it's like, you know, we thought it was these three days, but in reality, it, you know, it was the three days following or, or whatever the case. Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. And so, you know, it was kind of difficult and we went back and forth on, you know, well, do we need to go talk to somebody just, you know, her talk to her gynecologist, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'd say we're relatively private people and, and it was just like, no, 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 let's just, you know, we're fine. 
And we really kept this all to ourselves. Uh, our, our, our parents really didn't. I mean, at this point in time, our parents don't know. Our friends don't know. No one knows but us. And, and I'll tell you that that was a, that was a mistake. But mm-hmm. that's that's where we were. We, we didn't want anybody to know because um, really two things. You don't want added pressure and you don't want the grandparents, you know, getting all excited about, you know, having grandkids and then adding pressure. And there's also, I think for us or for, for I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for her, but for me, for a little bit, I would say a little bit of embarrassment that it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. What happened is, is that, you know, it became more stressful and more stressful and more stressful. And it just was not healthy. You know, it wasn't healthy for our relationship. It wasn't healthy for anything because all we're focused on all day long, every day is, you know, okay, you know, when are we going to get pregnant? When are we going to get pregnant? Yeah. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't happening. And it got harder and harder and harder and harder. Um, we tried for a year at the year mark. Um, we, we, we decided, and my wife decided she was going to go and go to the gynecologist. I think it was right at a year. Farrakh is listening. Don't get mad at me. Um, <laughs> and I think it was right at about a year. And so we went, and so, you know, this started a whole, this, this, this is a crazy story from here, in my opinion, but so we okay. go and we talk to them and, and so they go through, they run tests on, on Erica regarding mm-hmm. ovulation. And then he says, well, you also need to get tested for, you know, your sperm count and your motility and whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. which I didn't anticipate. I think Erica mm. anticipated that he was going to say that, but I did not anticipate that I was going to say mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so um, from there, she was tested and, you know, she, I think it, she basically, she was not really ovulating was what the test confirmed. Okay. Um, so, you know, at that point in time, you know, that's obviously for us, that's very crushing news. It's crushing for a number of different reasons. It's crushing okay, what do we do from here? And, oh, yeah, we just, you know, wasted a year of our life mm. because was, you know, was she ever ovulating or not? And if, you know, if we'd done something sooner, we wouldn't have went under the stress and, you know, whatever. Uh, from what I understand, you know, that test showed she wasn't, but that doesn't mean she wasn't. She wasn't for part of that time. There's no way of really knowing. Right. And so, so then, so, so that obviously we get that news and it's, it's horrible and then I go and I do my first test and um, it, it just, it just logistically did not go well. Um, and the, the whole process really didn't go well. And anyway, I get the results back and, you know, they say that my, I have, you know, a low sperm count. I have low motility, you know, so now here we are. She's not, she's not ovulating and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't have anything going for me either. And it's just like, it's really setting in. Like, how's this going to go? Like what, what, you know, what's going to happen next? And so, um, I basically, her gynecologist said, Hey, you probably need to go see a urologist. Um, so I'm like, okay. So I went and saw a urologist and everything. And and the urologist, and, then, and hopefully if, you know, people that are listening, this is important, but the urologist said, uh, well, one, one, one test like that is not, you know, you, you can't hang your hat on that. Um, okay. Especially with the way the test is performed and different things like that. And he said, hey, 
you know, you need to go get us, you need to go get another test. And so I ended up going to get another test and, and it was, it was, you know, overall, I think a better uh, logistical situation and whatever. And I ended up getting the results back and I'm, you know, above average for motility. I'm above average for count. So completely contradicts the other one. Wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so at this point, you know, her gynecologist is like, well, that's great news because, you know, if, 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 I, you know, if Adam's able, if Adam's has a high count, high motility, you know, the next thing that we can try is, you know, Clomid, which, you know, is, I guess, something that helps. I'm, I'm not a medical professional, but something that helps, uh, you know, females ovulation, uh, yes. you know, whatever. Yes. And so, and so Erica, and then at that point, Erica goes, goes on, on that. And, um, if I remember right, there are, I think you, you essentially get like five months of this pill. And, and, and after that five months, if it does not occur, you know, then you need to go see an infertility specialist. That's kind of the next step. Okay. At least that's, that's how it was all set up for us. Okay. And, and I think it really depends on the doctor on how many months they'll do it, but it sounds like her doctor said five. Um, so tell me, um, how she did on Clomid because I've heard many different, um, things with Clomid on how women's body reacts, how they, they, uh, do with that drug. How did she do with that? You know, she could probably speak to it more than I could. I don't remember. I don't okay. remember. I don't remember anything. I don't okay, remember well, anything, you know, then significant. Then she yeah. didn't get crazy because some of them, <laughs> that happens. No, she didn't. I, no. She didn't gain a tremendous amount of weight because that's no, not some, at all. No. Um, some people are very, um, it's hormones, you know, so mm. whatever um, could happen with women we've all uh, most of us that are listening know that when women's hormones are messed with or a little out of whack a lot of things can happen you know the <laughs> sure, sure, sure we know Absolutely. as adults like as women go through even their menstrual cycle you know things change in them you know sometimes they're moodier than others and stuff but you didn't notice any change so that's good so if erica is right. listening he didn't notice it's okay <laughs> no i i mean i don't i don't remember i don't remember anything um but yeah i mean so there was this kind of this you know hope now there was like this new hope right that yeah this was gonna work and um so, so she goes on Clomid and, you know, what, what unfortunately happens is, is, um, you know, we, you know, month one, it's like, you're optimistic month two, you're starting to feel the pressure month three, you're completely under pressure month four, you are beyond stressed out. And month five, you can't think straight at all because you feel this pressure building, you know, every month that it doesn't happen. And, and, um, you know, it's just, it's just so, I mean, it's just so frustrating, right? Because you are, you know, you're trying to, you're just, you just want a baby, right? And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's frustrating. And so after month four, we made an appointment with the infertility clinic and we actually had the appointment at the infertility clinic coming up, um, after the end of that fifth month, that was already on the calendar. And, you know, I will admit, and I've admitted this to Erica, this was the very first time 
So at this point, we're a year and five months in, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was the first time I can ever remember. Because what I would say is that through this process, I really wasn't that worried until we hit like eight or nine months. I I was still not that worried. I would say Erica probably was worried after five or six months, you know, so we were a little bit different. Sure. Um, and in, in our, in our levels and, and whatever, but then I, I will say, and I, and I think that's because women, you know, all, all, most women, not all, but a lot, you know, it's what they've anticipated since they were a little girl playing with a doll when they became a mom. And now their body is not allowing that to happen. So then there's blame and, you know, what am I doing? What am I not doing? There's a lot of questions that come from that. So the blame um, is, is strong. So yeah, I can, yeah, I totally yeah. see why. I mean, that is my, um, in my opinion, why women, you know, start with that feelings much quicker than a husband or partner. Yeah, yeah. With and she did. And she did. And yeah. She, oh, she felt yeah. that. But at yeah. that you know, at that year and four month mark. And I remember that was the first time where I was like, this may not happen for Mm. us. Like this, this is, you know, so then I started thinking, you know, well, what, what can we do? And, you know, I know we can do in vitro, you know, that's the likely next step, you know, do we want to do that? You know, do we want to look at adoption, you know, and, and I don't think Erica went there in her mind. I did. And, and that scared me to death. Mm. Um, it really scared me to death. Uh, just, just the thought process of going through it. Cause at this point we're so stressed out yeah. that, you know, the idea of anything else is, you know, you know, our whole life's just trying to have a kid at this point. That, that's basically the way it works. And so this is all happening. I looked at, you know, cost and, and everything for, for, you know, adoption or whatever. And I, I was, you know, um, with a buddy and, um, I got, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up my two kids stories of Mm -hmm. how she told me. So, um, you know, I'm under a lot of pressure here, right? Uh, (laughs) because I don't want to mess up, but I'm, so I, I believe she, she had something in a bag for me and I opened it up and it was, uh, and it was, and it was at like a, like a binky or whatever. And it said, daddy's girl, or I love my daddy or whatever. And I was just like, I looked at her and I'm like, you know, I'll just say what I said. I'm like, you're shitting me. Like, seriously. And she was like, yeah. And it was just the most amazing moment because you know, we were on the clock. It's the fourth quarter and there's five seconds left. Like that's the feeling we had. I mean, that was the last month um, of Clomid. So now we would start this other journey. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so now it's, you know, now we're pregnant and, you know, I mean, we told, we told our parents within like an hour. No, it wasn't an hour, but <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like, it was like two days. And I mean, she's super early, you know, and, and we're telling, we just can't stand it. Um, because we're so excited. And so, you know, that is, and I don't know how you want me to break this up. I know, you know, kind of our story. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how you want to break this up, but I mean that, so that is kind of the, the, the part of our story where it's, we, we decide to get pregnant and then we actually get pregnant. And then, so, so that's kind of the story up until 
point, but there was a lot, there was a lot of frustrations and there was a lot of other outside things happening during that year and a half. And then once Erica gets pregnant, then, you know, the story is going to get even deeper. Um, Yeah. And so let's talk just a little bit about those, um, that time, you know, and you talked about um, almost like the stress and the pressure and the embarrassment um, and not a healthy relationship because you're just kind of focused on a baby, you know, and getting pregnant. So how did you guys as a couple um, just handle some of that? Um, I kind of know a little bit. You just, you already said that the relationship, you, I'm going to assume when you said that, that the, you felt like the relationship maybe wasn't as strong, that it was like, all we're doing is going through the motions to have a baby now instead of maybe the intimacy and stuff. I, I don't know. You tell me, how was that? So, you know, I think it kind of, for us, um, I never thought like this is going to break us apart or this okay. is going to, this is going to, you know, ruin our marriage. We're not going to make it through this. Um, I, you know, I can say for me that never went through my mind. Um, you know, I love her so much that I, sure. no matter what happened, um, you know, it, we were going to get through it. I'll tell you one thing that was hard was that at a point in time, we thought that she wasn't ovulating and I didn't have good counts of motility. And then all of a sudden I had good counts of motility and she wasn't ovulating. So for a point, it was like, we're in this together. And then another, and then another point now, all of a sudden it's now the pressure's back on her and her eyes. Oh, that, that, yeah. that, that made for a little bit of an interesting situation. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you know, I don't know. I I think that I never worried about our long-term relationship that we weren't going to make it. It was nothing like that. But what I, what it did become is that the, the, the laughter, the fun, the things you do for each other. I mean, everything that was normal was no longer normal. And it was just all about having a baby. And it was just, that was your central focus. Um, and, and that made it, you know, that made it really difficult, um, to deal with, um, because you just, again, your whole life is centered around having a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, I would say that's how I, I felt is that we, you know, I, I was, I was fighting to keep, to keep our relationship strong while all this is happening. When I think at the end of the day, her focus was, you know, um, I gotta have a baby and, and, Thank yeah. God she, thank God she did have that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you had indicated that you did not tell the family or anything, especially at the beginning. Was there a point where you, you did say, yeah. you yeah. know, that, okay, we're struggling here and now we're on this fertility drug Clomid. Was there a point where you did tell them yeah. or did they not know until you announced yeah. that you were pregnant? No, they knew. Okay. Um, and, and so there were multiple things that occurred that kind of brought it all out into the forefront. Um, we, we told, we told our parents and, um, both sets of our parents, um, and, you know, one set had, had experienced some of those same things that we were experiencing in getting pregnant. Um, and so that, you know, they were kind of, you know, understanding about that part of it, um, and whatever. And then, you know, another set really did not have any issues 
you know, uh, from their perspective, having children. And so, um, you know, they were very supportive of us as well, but didn't have as much of that experience to lend us, um, which, you know, that that's tough because, you know, like anyone else, they don't really know what to say because they've not been through that. Exactly. Um, And so, you know, you know, it's just one of those things. And so Mm -hmm. we, we definitely gravitated, you know, we definitely used that support system. Both of our parents, um, like I said, one had, had had really direct experience with, with struggling with that. And, and so we, you know, we, we definitely asked questions and, and were inquisitive and things like that. But really the, I think the rubber met the road and, and this is where I think, I hope people, you know, hear this, but when you're going through something like this and the only person that really knows about it is your spouse, the problem with that is, is that your spouse is also going through all the same stress as you are. So mm-hmm. you don't have a level head or you don't have, you don't have that, 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 that person to talk you through it and, 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 and think of, think differently because you're both just so in this thing together that it's, it's just kind of toxic to keep it between the two of you um, because there's no one there that can, can really give perspective. Mm-hmm. And we have very, we have a very good uh, two friends of ours, which now, you know, they're two of their three kids are one's my God child and one's Eric is God child. And, you know, they're, um, they're just our best friends, they're family to us. And um, we, we went out to dinner with them one night and this is really at the height of where things are. This is probably month nine or 10, I would mm-hmm. say at this point where nothing's happening. And we went out to, to dinner with them and they asked us out to dinner to break it to us that they were pregnant and they were all excited. Mm. Well, the problem is we had never even told them we were trying and, you know, looking back on that, that wasn't really fair to them. Cause they didn't know that we were trying They didn't know. And so of course they're like, Hey, guess what? We're pregnant, you know, and they're all excited. And, you know, obviously, I mean, if someone could have had a camera and took a picture of Eric and I's face, I'm sure it'd be interesting to look at today. Um, but that, I mean, they had been trying like, you know, a month or two or something like, you know, it was yeah. one of the, it was one of those situations. And so at, at this point in time, Erica does not say another word for the next like 45 minutes. Mm. Um, because if she says anything, she's just going to start crying. Sure. So, so she does not say a word for the next 45 minutes and I'm doing my best to carry the conversation, but I mean, it's her best friend across the table from her. She knows something's up. I mean, she knows. And so we, you know, we get through dinner and we go out and, you know, we're both upset and it's just like, we want to be nothing but happy for them, but we're struggling through this and they don't know what's going on. So at that point in time, going through, we just basically said like, we got to tell them because, you know, they think, (laughs) they think we're jerks. Like, you know, we we weren't excited. We were quiet. We didn't talk over, you know, talk about it a ton. Um, And that's because I was steering the conversation away from it. Right. Like they would, I'd steer it because I'm trying to protect, you know? Sure. And so sure. we ultimately made the decision to tell them and telling them was, was maybe the best decision we made the entire time. Um, because they became a huge support system for us. 
And, you know, that really made the difference. And the, the Erica had someone to talk to besides me, yeah. uh, besi- you know, besides our parents. And so that was just huge. Um, that was huge. But, you know, I, the reason I share that story is because, you know, um, folks that are going through that and are having a hard time, um, they, you know, they feel embarrassment. I would, I would say even sometimes they feel resentment towards people that, you know, our art, you know, that, you know, the people that say, well, you know, my husband threw his pants in the room and I got pregnant, you know, and, (laughs) you know, those types of comments. Um, And, and there's not a forum and there's not the people that have struggles, you know, when somebody goes, yeah, we got pregnant right away. I mean, you don't very often hear somebody go, God, it took us two years. You don't, you know, people don't do that. um, Right. Because I think, you know, in society, we want to be, you know, strong people and, we don't want to be a downer and you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we kind of kept that to ourselves. Um, well, and and- I'm really glad that you're sharing that because it is really important for people, for the, for the listeners to hear, to really share um, with someone, you know, so that you have that support because it is not a, di- it is not an easy journey. It's very difficult and to just have that couple, you know, to support you sounds like it was amazing that you yeah. really. I mean, yeah, it, it, it reduced stress for sure. Yeah. Cause we had someone great. to, you know, we had someone to talk about. So, you know, I mean, that's the whole reason why I'm, why I'm doing this today. And, you know, I didn't make this decision alone. My wife agreed to it as well. Sure. Um, you know, because I, I don't want, you know, I, I want when now when I'm in the room with those people and they talk about it easy to get pregnant, I'll, I'll say, yeah, my wife and I had a really hard time getting pregnant. You know, I, so I, I, I'm very open with it because mm-hmm. there's someone else in that room standing there that is feeling mortified like we did. And they're not, you know, and they're not, they're not talking about it. And so, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I'm here today. I mean, that's why I'm talking and, um, about it. And so that's kind of, you know, that was our journey with, um, with getting pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So then let's go ahead. And I love that you, you brought that up because those are the topics that I always want to talk about is where you found the support through that difficult time. And, And you've talked about that. And I love that. Um, so yeah, continue on the, um, with that first pregnancy, um, and tell us a little bit about that. And you've already told us that there are two children. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, continue on with that. Yeah. Yeah. We have two. Um, and so, so at that point in time, uh, you know, she's pregnant, we're overjoyed. We decided as we go through the process and my wife knows the timelines better than I do, but. Um, you know, we're going through our ultrasounds and, and I'll try not to get to, I'll try not to get broke up on this, but it's hard to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. so we went and we were getting an ultrasound, just normal ultrasounds, like every, you know, woman would get throughout her pregnancy and, mm-hmm. and kind of by this happens chance. And, you know, if you're a Christian, um, you have faith, you know, you'll hear the story and you can interpret it the way you want, but on kind of a normal ultrasound machine, this, this this woman, you know, sees something. Mm-hmm. Um, and she draws attention to it. And there were different things that, that it could have been. And they said, Hey, you know, we're seeing this. I would say, let's do a, high, a different, a different 
ultrasound, one that's a little bit more um, uh, defining or in depth, just to see what this is, probably nothing to worry about, but let's take a look at it. So we took a look at it and, and, you know, at this point in time, they're like, it could be, I believe it was like, it could be an adrenal hemorrhage or uh, it could be, you know, there was like all these different things that, you know, it could be. And so we had to go to, you know, uh, a fertility clinic, or I guess it would be a, I don't know if it'd be a fertility clinic. I can't remember the name of the place, but anyway, we went there, started seeing a doctor. And so they started following this spot, if you will, like it, 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 you know, as it, and it continued to grow Mm -hmm. and they're watching and they're watching it, they're watching it. And one of the things on the differential is that it could be cancerous. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're like, what, you know, we talking about like, you know, how can, how can a child in utero have cancer? Um, So we're just like, we're like mind blown by the whole thing. Yeah. So they they keep watching it, keep watching it, keep watching it. And we go in one day and they, they take a look at it. And the doctor says, look, I don't, you know, Erica, you're a couple days away from being 37 weeks. You're going to be a C-section anyway. As you grow and your hormones grow, this thing's growing. I think we need to get Leah out and we need to assess the situation, you know, looking just through her body versus mom and baby. Okay. And so we went in that day, not at all prepared that we were going to go home, go to sleep the next day and come back and have a baby. So, um, Leah's born and she was born. Everything went fantastic. She's born at the hospital, you know, outside of the spot that we know is there. She's a perfectly healthy child, no issues, but they do some more testing while we're there and they did, uh, we need to go to hospital and, um, look a little bit deeper to see what's going on and so we go and they look and they actually determine that they do think it is in fact cancer Mm. um and it is what's called neuroblastoma which is this weird cancer that can actually go away on its own so at the point we're mind blown by the fact that they're saying that our child that is you know days old has cancer Oh, by the way, it could potentially go away on its own. It's like, are we in an alternative universe? So, you know, we go from as stressed out as you can be to happy as hell. (laughs) Yeah. To now what's going to happen. And so the doctor, so the doctor says, well, we're going to continue to watch it. It could go away on its own and we're going to continue to watch it. So for the next five months, we're getting ultrasounds. They're measuring the we call the tumor, if you will, they're measuring it, measuring it. And unfortunately it continues to get bigger. Mm. So at like five months old, she has abdominal surgery. Um, you know, this tumor on her adrenal gland. And while they are in there doing that, they see that it has spread to her liver. Mm. So, Again, they say, well, that's common with this type of neuroblastoma. It's still not time to panic. We're going to watch it. We're just like, oh, okay. Oh, this is, you know, this is crazy, but okay. You know, whatever. Um, and so then we go through and we're watching it. We're watching it. We're getting scans, whatever. Long story short, 
she ends up having two lymph nodes in her chest, two in her back, and the liver. So now it has reached a point where they say Leah needs chemotherapy. Yeah. So now, so now we're going to take, you know, our six month old child and we're going to put her through however many months was at that point. I'm trying to think she's a little older than six months and we're going to put her through intense chemotherapy. We're going to do, we're going to do six treatments. I mean, at this point, it's like, we're in an alternative universe. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, we, we've worked so hard and we've been through so much. Um, and you know, now what do we do? Like now, now this is going on. And, and so, you know, then proceeds to have all these conversations around the chemo and, and everything and the impact and, and the potential side effects. And there's all these other things. And it's just, it was just, it was just really, it was really rough um, wow. to, to process all of that. Um, and so, so we start treatments and, um, I will say that, you know, I'm a faith person and, and I actually became way, you know, much deeper in my faith during that time we were in the hospital and things like that, because I, I had nothing, I really had nothing else but my faith. And so I, I relied on it and I, I leaned on it, uh, for support and, um, Leah did fantastic. Um, she, for a child going through chemotherapy like that, she was in the 98th percentile for height and weight the entire time. Um, 98th for height. And then she was basically perfect on her weight. Um, she never stopped eating her appetite. She continued to eat well. She slept well. Um, you know, she really did great. Had very little, you know, she might've had nausea, um but you know and it was the hardest part was when she started losing her hair mm. um it was more of a reality she was born with a full head of hair and so it was more of a reality what was going on and so we go through that process and you know long story short she goes through everything and we rang the bell on thanksgiving which was uh, just a little bit before her first birthday oh. and she has been in remission ever since so it, it was, you know, but, but even then at that point in time, um, you know, we're still doing scans every month. I mean, and it gradually, and, and now she's, she sees like a late effects of team, you know, she, she really, she has blood work every year, but, you know, really uh, minimal stuff follow up wise. And, and we're kind of past that point, but, you know, for the first three, four years, I mean, it was well three, uh, yeah, three, well, three or four years it was pretty intense and you know, you go back in for the scan and you're nervous and yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, and so during that time, you know, for me, you know, she has a central line in her chest, you know, my wife's flushing her line every night. We're giving her medication. I mean, it was just like our whole life. And, and so it's funny, but this, 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 you know, pandemic and being inside, we were that way for six months because she had no immune system. So we went home or I'm sorry, we went to work and we came home and we saw my, you know, my in-laws, my parents and my sister-in-law, you know, other than that, Leah, we didn't take her anywhere. We didn't go anywhere. We were on lockdown and, yeah. and we're, we're really proud of the fact that she didn't have to go in the hospital for anything. She was able to stay healthy. Um, but during that time, the only thing that really exists is, you know, you're focusing on your child and your child's health and, 
you know, that was one of those times where, you know, I made it a point that I still try to make time for, for Erica and I, because, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get past this, but you know, we, we have to, we have to make sure we, we work on us. And sure. I'll tell you going through everything we went through that first, you know, year, year and a half, you know, it, it only made our relationship stronger and deeper for sure. Fun. And, yeah. you know, I think, unfortunately some people can go one way some people can go the other but um yeah so that was kind of wow. the situation with leah wow so you guys wanted a child struggled to to have a child and then um to have that you know to yeah. for her to be born you know with cancer um it is good that you guys stayed really strong as a couple that you know, I, I, I am one that kind of like, um, you know, was there a reason? Was that God's plan? Um, I never want to say any of that's really totally God's plan, but I believe that I do believe that um, those struggles of infertility, you just had, and it really made you stronger, probably stronger as a, as a couple to go through what you needed to go through with, you know, with your daughter. Um, and that's important. That's, you know, that's sometimes to just understand maybe, um, well, I will, well, a little I will bit. Tell you, yeah. Well, I will tell you that I, I, I think at the end of the day, I kind of do think I have them for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that Leah had, you know, really no issue, you know, no true issues with the chemotherapy. She mm -hmm. tolerated it so well. You know, and during that time, my wife and I were both baptized, um, mm. you know, really kind of towards the tail end of that. And we ever actually baptized on the same day. She didn't know I was going to do it. I did it. She followed me and our family was there. And so, you know, I, I think Leah was absolutely the inspiration and Leah mm. kind of became the focus of our church. And, and you know, I, I think in some ways she kind of brought our church closer together um and uh to this day she's a very special little girl and and um, yeah. she she has this kind of crazy relationship already with god and the way she talks about god and jesus and she you know says the prayer at the dinner table you know um so i think you know i think there was something there uh, at stake so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well and i'm i'm really um so glad i love that you said that really with you even with going through all of that it that um, it brought you closer to God, to each other. Whereas there are couples that the opposite happens in both situations, like their faith is gone and the relationship is really sometimes in jeopardy. So I love sure. that you guys really came together um, through that. And so just real quickly, you have another little one. Was there any struggles <laughs> with getting pregnant? I mean, I assume you waited a while to Leah was was through all of her treatment and everything or did it just like, Oh, now we are having another, I mean, was that a surprise? Was there struggles with, with that pregnancy? Yeah. So there, there, there is another one. We have Evan um, and kind of crazy. Evan and Evan and Leah are three years apart to the day. Oh, wow. <laughs> they were born on the exact same day, three years apart. Uh, which is not planned whatsoever. Um, but it's kind of funny. That's the way it worked out. But yeah, so, you know, we have Leah and, 
you know, we we really wanted to wait a while to try again um, mm-hmm. because we wanted to focus on Leah, and so we we didn't want to we didn't want to try for a while um, okay. because of that. And you know, it's kind of weird because a lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm just so proud that you guys are trying again," you know. And we didn't really get that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if people like assumed it was a genetic type thing or I don't really know. I don't know. And that was a factor that we did have to talk about with the doctor is whether or not there was a risk of this, you know, okay. if we had another sure. kid and, and there, there, there was not, that was, it was not a, you know, a genetic makeup type of thing with Erica and I. So we knew that pretty quick. Um mm-hmm. Um, they, that's something I guess is pretty normal going through that process and talk about, you know, the doctor talks about that with the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, so people would like come up to us and be like, oh, that's just so great. You guys are willing to try again, you know, and we're just like, uh, yeah, we are. And so, um, I will say for me, I was so happy that we had Leah and that she was doing well that, I was good. I was good with just having one. And, and I, I will say I probably even had a couple moments where I thought, I think I'm good with one, mm-hmm. which was a, which was a detour from the original plan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of went back and forth on it. And, um, well, no, and let me back up. Erica did not go back and forth. Uh, Erica definitely wanted another. And so ultimately I did too. I was just, I think maybe a little bit, you know, afraid and I'll also say that I Leah was just so special to me with everything we went through it was like hard for me to even imagine you know I know a lot of people say this but like you know can I can I give another kid what I give her you know just Mm. because I'm just she's so special to me and everything she's been through and whatever and so but we'll ultimately decide that we were gonna we were gonna try and but one of the things I kind of said is like hey we're going to try, you know, we're going to see what happens, but, you know, let's not put pressure on ourselves. We have a beautiful little girl. We are family, you know, um, and so we didn't. And so we, we, we really did this time around, um, you know, we didn't put as much pressure on. Now, you know, the only difference is, is that, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Erica kind of like, we were, she was going to, she would need to have, you know, Colmet again. That helps. Um, because Erica has, you know, she's, she's a medical professional and, you know, the science and Erica says, well, if that's how it was before, it's going to, that's exactly how it's going to be again. Um, <laughs> sure. And, 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 you know, my take on it was, well, you know, there's God involved there too. So, you know, I don't know what the plan is, but, you know, whatever let's just see what happens mm-hmm. and uh uh sure enough i came home we've been trying about five it was like the fifth month or something and i came home and leah had a big sister t-shirt on and she was pregnant uh, which is wonderful but we're like what the hell <laughs> it, took us, it took us a year and a half with leah and you know I, you know with evan it's five months um, so we were it thrilled. Happened. It was, yeah, <laughs> it but it just kind of, <laughs> right. It just kind of made like no sense to us at all. Um, yeah. And so everything went, you know, went great with Evan. And, um, 
So he's uh, he's he's getting ready to turn four. Lee is getting ready to turn seven, which, like I said earlier, on the exact same day, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, it's that's it's, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's all it's it, again. It's it's been a it's been a wild ride, but um, I wouldn't change it. And you know, I think going through all that stuff. I mean, I I know I'm different. My wife's different. I think we're different in the right ways. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah. Very much different. That all changes you, you know, and, and I think the the important thing is, um, I think with, with people that struggle with, you know, infertility or, or even loss, um, the majority of them, it changes them for the better. They appreciate things differently than those that have not struggled, Um not that those that don't struggle don't appreciate. It's just different. Uh, really changes you going through uh, those struggles. And so, yeah. So when you were going through some of that, I want to just real quickly, if you could share, um, and then we'll summarize some of this, but like triggers, things that triggered you. Um, you talked about support a lot already, but things that triggered mm-hmm. you, um, that maybe the listeners would, um, it would help them to understand, oh my gosh, you know, when it happens to me, I thought it was crazy. No, you're normal, you know, kind of thing. And just even if there's any, like, feelings of, like, grief um, or just really any insight that you can give to the listeners on all of those things that happen to really anybody going through um, struggles, of infertility loss, there's triggers, there's where you found support, there's the grief that goes along with it. So, yeah, you can kind of share some of that. But yeah. No, we've already talked about some of those things. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anything I forgot, feel free to, feel free to bring up. Um, I think the, the big ones I, that I can think of is, is once, once um, people knew – that we were struggling and it was out at that point in time, you know, it was, well, you know, you guys just need to relax. Mm. You know, that I'd say that was probably the biggest one, you know, mm. it's like, what? Yeah. You guys need to relax. You know? Well, uh, I actually disagree. I don't think we need, I think we need to focus. I don't think we don't need to be crazy about it, but um, I don't know that relax is exact. you know, so I would say that was a big one, um, mm-hmm. folks saying that. You know, the other thing is that, you know, you get to a certain age and you haven't had kids and start, you know, um, saying, well, when are you guys going to have kids, you know? And, you know, we would say something like, well, you know, we're talking about it, you know, and we knew we were trying, but we said, oh, we're talking about it. And, um, you know, and people would then proceed on, well, what's there to talk about? I mean, what is there in life? What is there in, you know, what is there in life without being a parent, without having a family, you know, you know? And in our minds, we're thinking like, you know, well, yeah, we agree, but we're doing everything we can. And so I think it's just people's lack of boundaries when it comes to the subject in general. I mean, they, it just seems like people have no problem asking, you know, those really intrusive questions. They, 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 you know, they become very assumptive and, and what's going on in your life, and, you know, I mean, how something do you have to be that, you know, oh, well, if they don't have a baby, they're just not trying. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, 
Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, in my, yeah. in, in my logical mind, I would think if somebody's at a certain age and then I have a kid, they probably are trying and it's probably not working. So you shouldn't say anything, but my right. mind goes the other way. Um, so, I mean, those were, those were big ones. Uh, the other thing was just, it was really hard again to see people having babies and, you know, um, so our, our good friends, um, that we talked about that became, you know, really that just, it was just a wonderful sports system for us. So their little girl and Leah are five months apart in age, uh-huh. you know, so obviously, you know, they had her and, and, you know, we're spending time with them and being around her and, you know, while we love her and we love her to this very day with all of our hearts, it's still, it's like, you know, you're seeing that joy in that family and, and, you know, you're, you're kind of just, you're just chomping at the bit for that to be you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that continued to be tough. But, yeah, I think it's just people people being very, you know, something about you and what's going on. And, well, why aren't you trying? Well, why, why haven't you had kids yet? Why don't you? Yeah, yeah. You know? So I would say that would probably be the big thing. Yeah. I think people just, they mean well. And we are a fix-it society. You know, they want you to tell them that, but then they're going to fix it. Like, relax. You know, just relax. Um, it doesn't work if you're just relaxing if your body is not functioning properly and you may need some, some help or something more so it is people just want to fix you know and I think as a society we're you know that is one of my goals is just the awareness it's a big reason for the podcast is just awareness and to let people know that you know some of these things that you say and and do um just be aware of how it hits people that are struggling um, with infertility or loss. And so awareness yeah. is key with the podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're, I think you're doing a, so just such an amazing thing because, um, you know, for the, I, again, I encourage anyone listening that, you know, to share your story, whether mm-hmm. you're going through it or whether it's after or whatever, but, but the reality is, is not everybody will. And, no. you know, being able to search out a podcast like this and, you know, being able to hear my story or other people's stories, it does let you know that you're not alone. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, you know, infertility, like so many other things in society, are coming more to the forefront than they ever have. And, you know, you're finding out more and more people that had a hard time or didn't work out or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I had a I had a, a good friend of mine that was going through a horrible time when we were trying, you know, they were trying and it wasn't working. And we, we did kind of lean on each other, um, you know, towards the end of everything. And they ended up adopting and, and they have just this beautiful little girl and she's amazing. And so, you know, not everybody's journey, not everybody's story is going to be the same. But, you know, I think um, – you know, you just got to kind of, you just got to kind of think, okay, like this is a part of my story and this is a chapter and I just, I'm just going to have to kind of wait my way through this. And, you know, um, I, I will say this, that during the time we went through everything with, with Leah, um, I excelled in my career more than I ever had in the past. And that really wasn't because I was more focused on my career. It was because 
what I, I was focused on the most important thing in my life, which is my daughter and my family. And mm-hmm. because I had this laser focus in on that, it kind of dropped this pressure I had built up on myself professionally or whatever, because all I really cared about was just making sure Leah was okay. And so mm-hmm. then it took this pressure away. And what happened is it's kind of simplified my professional life and I excelled. And so I try my best to still think that way. And I struggle every day and Erica helps me with it, but you know, you're a, you're a dad and a father and a family man or a family woman, you know, let that be your identity, you know, versus something else. And, and especially for those that spend so much time working for that family, um, I just think that's super important. Awesome. I love that. Love how you said that. So it's going to be the next thing, but I think you just answered that. Words of advice and encouragement. Anything else from what you just said? Any additional? Because that was great. Um, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, the only advice that that I think I would give to people, and I, I said it right at the beginning of the podcast, is, you know, if you think you need to go see an uh, infertility specialist or go see a urologist or gynecologist or whatever the case may be, you know, don't, don't wait, don't wait, you know, too long where your frustration level builds so much because um, getting education around it is helpful. And so there's nothing wrong with, you know, after five or six months of trying to, to make those appointments and have those conversations. And, you know, ultimately it may just be, Hey, you know, we're really early in the process. I want you guys just keep doing what you're doing. But uh, it's important to know what the road ahead is and what it looks like and that you have options and this is how things can be. So that'd be my only thing is just, you know, um, talk to people, um, you know, another thing I would say is, you know, I, there's no reason in the world that I should know what an optimal sperm count should be, <laughs> but I, but I, but I do know it's between like 20 and 40 million is like, you know, mm-hmm. normal and anything below 20 is, you know, not and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I shouldn't know that, but what I did is I tried to become a, you know, a doctor by searching all these things on the internet and, and and looking, I, I just encourage people, you know, trust your medical professionals. If, if you don't have a good relationship with them or if it's, you don't feel comfortable, then find somebody else. But trust the people that are advising you and you're going through that. Don't get on the Internet. Don't go looking. You will find something. If you're looking for something negative or if your thoughts are, you'll, you will find it. So right. just don't get inundated with, with that part. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just focus on you and your relationship and whatever, but don't, don't go down that rabbit hole because mm-hmm. it just puts way too much pressure. And it can be very deep. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. I love that you said that because that's exactly what you needed was you did have to do a second opinion, you know, with all of that. And, and I think that's important uh, yeah. to, for yeah. people to know that find where you're comfortable and if it's a second opinion that you need, a lot of times that is exactly what you need to either reassure the first or to get more clarity in, yeah. in both of them. You know, so yeah. yeah, I love that you said that. Absolutely. So true. Absolutely. So true. Absolutely. So, true. so I want to thank you again so much for coming on to share. It is so nice when I do um, have the opportunity to have um, um, a man come on and share their their part of the story. Um, and like you said, you don't have all the details, but it's okay. 
you know, to not have all of those, um, those details, the important things that we need to hear um, from you, from, from anyone going through this is coming from your heart to let other people know that they're not alone this journey. Um, that they're never alone, that we're here to support them. And I'm so glad that you came on to help support as many of my listeners that we have now and that we're going to have in the future. So thank you again so much for sharing. Well, I, you know, I thank you so much. And you know I'm shy, Teresa, so this is really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, um, one of the things, you know, that I will say is, uh, meeting you, talking to you, talking with you about the podcast, it did reawaken something in me, which is that, you know, when we went through everything we went through in our whole journey, you know, I said, hey, I'm not going to be one of those people that, you know, I got through it and now I'm going to leave it behind me. I want to give back and I want to do things and whatever. And the reality is, is you, you get going in life and have another trial and whatever. And I really haven't done that. And so, you know, I feel like you've given me you know, an opportunity to get back on that path of of trying to give back and trying to help people that went through those struggles, whether it be infertility, whether it be, you know, childhood cancer or whatever the case may be. You know, I, I feel like you kind of put me back on that path. And, you know, I had a mentor of mine that said, you know, the most important thing in life is remember to send the elevator back down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time that was really a metaphor for business, but I think it's a metaphor for life because, if you think about it, I mean, we were on that elevator and we finally got to the top. We finally got past it. Um, but I got to remember that, yeah, I am here, but you know, there's still people down there that are, that are struggling and I need to, I need to send the elevator back down for, you know, and help them. And so, um, I'm glad, I, you know, I'm glad we met and I'm glad I was able to do this because, you know, I think it's kind of sparked something back up in me that, um, I think will, will hopefully, you know, be rewarding to me, but most of all helpful to others. So, Yes. Well, thank you so much um, for sharing that. It is important for for me to continue to um, reach out and and just speak up and say what what's going on in my life because it does, just as it has to you. It's really um, guides us to other people and it allows us to share, which um, helps others. And so, any way that we can that I can do that and support others on their journey to help others to send the elevator down and, and help them come back up. I am so willing to do that. So anyway, so thanks again. Thank you. um, I appreciate it. Well, I wish you the very best of luck and uh, yeah, thank you. Have an awesome day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again, Adam, for coming on today to share your story, to share your journey of all of the struggles that you and Erica endured. I am sure that you have encouraged so many that possibly are feeling alone on their journey, that you've given them some hope to continue to have the family that they so much want to have so thank you and thank you listeners for coming on to take part of your precious day to listen I hope that we Adam and I haven't encouraged you 
to continue on your journey, have encouraged you to, through whatever triggers or struggles or grief that you're experiencing so that you never feel alone on your journey. That we can help with you navigating through that, um, this difficult time in your life. So I do ask that um, a couple favors from you, that if this is your first time listening and you have not subscribed or you've listened before and have not subscribed, I ask that you do that. It is a way for us to, for sure, get this out to more people because I do believe that this is helping people on their journey uh, to never feel alone and to feel that they're normal sometimes, just feeling normalcy. So if you can subscribe, that would be amazing. Second, if you ha could share this podcast, most importantly, share this with someone so that we can get this podcast out to more people to help because that is the desire of myself and my guests is to help those that are struggling um, on their journey. So please share. And the other thing is look for us. Um, look for me on social media. Uh, look for me um, on Instagram very soon and Facebook under Women Connect and Support. Or you can find me very soon under Living After Grief, which will be um, available very soon. So check me out there. And again, share the podcast. We know that when we share our stories, that is just so powerful that it always will inspire someone else that is on the same or similar journey. And that that is exactly what we'd like to do on this podcast is help others on their journey with infertility, our loss of a child.